the incomparable. Number 377, October 2017. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. It's time for us to do another one of what we call our reading list. This is a just thin sham of a subject that allows us to talk about books we like and give you some ideas about books that you might want to read. We've done a couple of them in the past, but it's been a while, and I thought it might be nice to do a new one. Now, originally, I had suggested a premise that was sort of like our take on what a classic of science fiction and fantasy would be today. Like our, we decide the classics. And I suggested that, and Scott said, I hate the word classics. Don't do that. So that's not what this episode is about, Scott. McNulty, well, hello. I, I, uh, hello. I said, I believe I said you could do that. I just won't be part of it, and I will be happy to yes. listen to it. But you're, you decided not to do it, so I'm here now. Hello. That's right. I decided I, I, I liked you more than my premise, my stupid premise. So congratulations. <laughs> I feel honored. Um, so he's a premise nemesis. Yes, that was David J. Lore, who's also here. Hello. Hello. Dan Morin is also here. Hello. Hello. Um, I was told that Scott would not be here, so this is super awkward now. (laughs) (laughs) I've ruined everything. And Erica Ensign is here to list books as well. Hello. Yep. I read books. Yep. Story checks out. (laughs) Books are good. (laughs) We like books. Yep. Books is the subject. Pro or con? Who is going to be (laughs) anti-book on this episode? Oh, yeah. I'm super anti-book, by the way. Mm -hmm. They, They make great forts. You make fires out of them. They burn. At hey, 451 forks. degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. So instead, our book list premise, it's really sort of what you want to make it. I have chosen to sort of approach this as some books that I would recommend to somebody who has not read lots and lots of, of science fiction and fantasy books and is looking for books to uh, to try out. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to hold anybody else to that premise. That's just sort of the way that I kind of approached it. I'm not going to you know suggest the third book in a series that's super complicated and weird. I'm going to go with kind of more like Try this book out and see how uh, see how see how you do see how you like them apples, and uh, but that's about it. That's the whole premise. So we will uh, we will go in the order: Scott, followed by David, followed by Erica, followed by Dan, and of course I will go last, even though this is totally not a draft because I'm the host, and it's polite. It's still polite to go last, even if it's not a draft. Even if it, that's right, you just wait till the end. I think so. Scott, would yes. you like to recommend? A book for our dear listeners. Certainly. So I, as I do with all of these episodes, I think we've done a couple before, mm-hmm. I uh, made my way to Goodreads to look at the books that I have read recently to see if there were any that I could recommend. And I've read a bunch of books, but none of them have been science fiction. So uh, I've been reading a lot of mysteries, which I will not recommend any of. Uh, I will recommend uh, a book that I have read uh, recently-ish in July, I suppose, uh, because Goodread tells me so. It is All Systems Read, which is by Martha Wells. Uh, Now, I'm not sure if this this hues to Jason's uh, conceit that this is uh, these are books that if you don't like science fiction or you are unfamiliar with science fiction you might like start to read this book which is uh, the first book in a series called The Murderbot Diaries uh, so it might not be a great place to start although you know Westworld is very popular and that's full of murderous robots uh-huh. so maybe, uh, maybe regular people would enjoy that but it is about uh, a far flung future in which uh, corporate uh, corporations dominate uh, the the future, 
And uh, there are these things called murder bots, which are robots uh, that are, uh, you know, you can rent them basically from a corporation and they'll, you know, guard your whatever you want them to guard. So they often are are part of, you know, uh, interstellar merchant marine type deals. Uh, And uh, this one... Uh, well, I suppose the robots themselves are not called murder bots. This robot that is the main character of this book considers itself a murder bot. Uh, and throughout the course of the book, we are inside its, uh, it's a viewpoint character and we, we watch as it kind of becomes a little more self-aware, uh, and starts doing things that perhaps, uh, would cause other people to be quite concerned. Uh, and about, well, I don't want to ruin, uh, but about halfway through the book, something happens that makes you uh, get a little surprised. And it's only 144 pages, and I think it's one of these uh, Tor.com novellas, so uh, it's like two bucks or something from, from your favorite ebook publisher, uh, or not ebook publisher, but ebook seller purveyor. That's the word I was looking for. I read so much. I have a great vocabulary. Uh, so check it out. And I think the second uh, one is coming out soon or has already been out. I haven't read it yet. But All right, David, do you have a choice for us? Um, I, I'll start by recommending something that I usually recommend. I've read it over and over again uh, every few years. It sort of it recharges me, uh, makes me want to write uh, because he's a master of the short story form. Uh, he's written countless stories. I'm sure he's kept count because he's revised all of them over the years. Uh, Harlan Ellison, uh, either Deathbird Stories or Strange Wine. They're both collections of short stories. Uh, they're, they have a wide range of styles and topics and concepts. Uh, and some things are funny and some things are serious and some things are terrifying. Um, I, I believe... Deathbird Stories includes his famous I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, uh, which is kind of intense. It's about people trapped inside a computer um, decades before The Matrix. Um, And so, yeah, he's I mean, he's sort of the old guard. He's in between the oldest old guard, the golden age, quote unquote, and the new age. Uh, But he's he's still writing. He's still pretty damn good. So, you know, if you want if you want a nice sampler of stories in a wide variety of styles, uh, any any Harlan Ellison collection will do. But Deathbird Stories and Strange Wine are probably among the best. I, I'd, I'd put uh, Approaching Oblivion up there as well. That's, oh, absolutely. That's my favorite. Absolutely. Slippage is also quite mm-hmm. excellent. I like yep. I like Shatterday, but yeah, they're all there's Shatterday lots of good is, ones. Yeah. He, he wrote he's yeah. written a lot of stories, guys. Basically, <laughs> just read, read Ellison. Erica, what is uh, your choice? Um, well, I I really like your conceit of of thinking about what to what to suggest to somebody who hasn't really read a lot of science fiction or fantasy. So I tried to like think about the different types of of people that might be interested in in dipping their toe into that uh, into that genre. And I thought uh, if you are the kind of person who has maybe watched some of those big budget, you know, comic book movies, but you're not really into comic books, you, you haven't read much about that. Um, but you, you sort of like that style, you like the superheroes thing, uh, and you want to read something that's kind of like that, but that's really, really easily accessible. I would suggest a book called School for Sidekicks, which is actually a book for kids, 
thus very accessible, very easy to read. This book actually works for people who don't read a lot because it's a very simple book to read. Uh, it's it's not even young adults. It's actually, I think, mid-grade is, uh, is mm. what it's aimed at. But I've, I've read it and it, believe me, it is entertaining enough for an adult as well. Um, it is it's kind of like if you uh if you saw the movie Sky High uh, the Disney movie yes yeah oh. yes that movie um which which is fun <laughs> that's a, that's um, a like, really fun movie yeah I love that movie so imagine like if that movie delved far more into character building and far more into world building but still managed to keep sort of the same level of of fun and hijinks that's that's kind of how how I felt about school for sidekicks it's a uh, it's about a, a future well, I don't know if it's future or or alternate alternate present uh, but uh, a, a giant bomb went off in uh, in Minnesota and turned uh, a, a decent amount of the population of the Twin Cities area into superheroes and killed the rest. So, you know, oh, no. it's, it's dark. Yep. <laughs> um, so so now some people some people become superheroes. And the main character of this book is a kid named Evan Quick. And he's a huge superhero geek. He he loves them and he wants to become a superhero. And uh, one day he survives uh some sort of super super death ray of some sort from one of the super villains because of course you gotta have super villains too um and uh but it puts him in a coma and when he wakes up he gets to to join a school which it's not actually called the school for sidekicks it's a um it's it's called something else but um he's kind of kind of disappointed because he's not quite a superhero and he has to go to school and classes with a bunch of other kids that also have um have these sort of metahuman um, powers and stuff. So it's it's just it's a really interesting story that uh, I don't want to give away too much, but it's it's much bigger than it seems at first, and it sort of weaves its way um, bigger and bigger as it goes on, as far as like the history of 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 how this all came about. Um, but it feels it feels really really genuine and really real. Like these these kids seem like actual. Uh, fairly well-developed characters and so do the adults which is kind of kind of a nice thing because sometimes you get kids books that have really great kids and the parents are like charlie brown's parents Hmm. this this is not that um so it's a it's really really fun and i've actually had it on my kindle to read for a second time for a while i just haven't gotten around to it yet but i'm really looking forward to it because it's it's fun and it goes fast and uh it's great and it's by uh kelly mccullough all right uh very nice dan what about you? Um, I was searching. I, I was making a list beforehand, and uh, of course realized <laughs> that like half to three quarters of this list is is books that I have mentioned on this show at some point mm-hmm. in the past. Dear God, how long we've been making this show? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a very long time. A very long time. It's hard to find new things. However, uh, however, that said, uh, I will pull out a fantasy series that... Uh, oh, is it fantasy? Hard to say. I'll pull out a series I really enjoyed uh, reading over the last couple of years, and it is a series that starts with the book City of Stairs by Robert Jackson Bennett. Um, and it is essentially... Uh, hard to say exactly what the world building is kind of like. Uh, I've seen comparisons to both India and sort of like Russia, uh, Slavic sort of background, but it's got sort of a slightly industrialized feel to it. Um, but essentially, it's set in this world where uh, there were gods. The gods are now all dead. Um, but killing the gods left some weird artifacts lying around, including 
um, basically a, a city which contains these stairs that seem to climb upwards and just disappear at random points and uh, nobody knows where they go or what happened exactly but essentially all these miracles that were linked to the gods theoretically stopped working when the gods died and therefore you've got this really weird sort of bombed out like divinely bombed out landscape um, their main character in this one is a woman named Shara, who is a sort of a, a spy investigator, and she's sent to dispatch, like, uh, she's dispatched to find a, um, uh, basically something weird is happening in this one particular city that may be connected to the divine somehow. Uh, and it's a really interesting book. The first one, I will say, has some slower points, and it takes a little time to get used to the world building, but once it kicks into high gear, I find it, it was quite a read. And I, I think what was wonderful about this series was that each successive book for me just got better um and the next two books both focus on secondary characters from the first book um and they have very distinct he does a great job of fleshing out these um point of view characters and giving them very distinct personalities and the you know they take place much farther apart like they're not like a a series where it's like the action is constant from the beginning of the first one and it sort of like goes along at like a normal pace between the books like you often have years going by um and these characters find themselves in very different places and the state of the world has changed politically and technologically and so they have to investigate you know deal with these different um, developments in the world and it's it's just it's a really interesting book um i found the third one in particular which came out most re- uh within the last year or so i think uh just a heck of a page turner too um and it features uh, one of my favorite characters from the first two books and it's um it's good it's it's a really solid sort of uh, non-traditional fantasy novel, you know, in that it's not like sort of your high fantasy. It's not quite like a steampunk. Um, it's this different sort of lived-in, industrialized world feeling to it. And uh, it's got a little bit of an espionage slash mystery edge to it. Um, but the, the world building in particular, I think, is just fascinating. And uh, he deals a lot with sort of the cultural uh, situations as well, because there's like a one particular... Uh, nation that's sort of more or less um, taken over the rest of the the civilized world and developed their own empire and there's tensions between that and the people who've been colonized and there's a there's a lot going on here so I highly recommend these they uh they they may not be exactly the thing you're looking for for a first jump into fantasy but I also feel like um, they don't get too bogged down in you know little details of how the world works and they you know i think it's in some ways it could be an easier entry point i think it's interesting this uh the this genre that is like uh that the gods are you know the gods are among us or the gods have just left or something like that which not i don't know if that's a genre but it reminds me the city of stairs the way you described it reminds me a little bit of the um the max gladstone craft mm-hmm. yeah it's, a it, it bit. feels very similar i think in style that i think they are kind of in a similar school there and nk jemison's is hundred thousand kingdoms is kind of like that too you know in a way so it's sort of like yeah the 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 business business of the gods and how it influences the people is that's an interesting like subgenre i guess 
All right. I have so many different things to choose from, but I will make an admission that, as Dan pointed out, we've been doing this for a long time. And that one of my secrets of doing a podcast like this is that if I read it, I probably have talked about it. That all said, I'm going to start by um, uh, recommending a book for people who are interested in kind of... Um, I think a, a nice corner of the science fiction genre is the sort of space adventure. Um, and I'll, I'll get a little more detailed. It's not really uh, like a space opera where it's uh, kind of like grand scale of, of uh, you know, empires rising and falling and things like that. This is this is uh, a more focused, but it is the Priscilla Hutchins series by Jack McDevitt. Yep. So there's a lot of eating sandwiches because everything that Jack McDevitt does, people eat sandwiches his characters eat sandwiches they love space sandwiches are the best snack they are oh man but chewing so i think he does two uh, series he does the um he does uh the one about this the archaeologist slash uh thief of uh, antiquities alex benedict and then he does the priscilla hutchins series which i think they uh, they're calling the academy series but it's the priscilla hutchins novels and, and hutch priscilla hutchins is a pilot of spaceships that go faster than light people are all over the galaxy but the point is each of these books and he's written like nine of them engines of god being the first one are you know it's the idea that they're as they go from planet to planet there are ancient mysteries questions of you know, are they aliens? Are they lost parts of humanity? Strange things are found on various moons and planets around the galaxy. And a mystery begins to unravel. Now, you know, both of his series are essentially that. That's what these books are all about. But with um, with Priscilla Hutchins, she's a pilot um, with a space force, basically. And she's flying ships where the people on board it's are basically her charges. She has to take care of them. They're often scientists or civilians or some combination thereof. They're not uh, her crew. And it's her job to kind of make sure that they're safe or get them out of the trouble that they get themselves into. And in Engines of God, there's a a, a discovery. I mean, they're all like this in, in a way, and that's why I love them. Uh, there's a discovery of some strange ancient artifact, and there's a question of what it, what is it, and how is it there, and where did it come from, and everything starts to unravel. And I love stuff like that. This is just a fun, for me, this is my super fun read kind of stuff, is there's an ancient mystery in the galaxy, and they have to go from place to place and figure out what's going on. Invariably, about three quarters of the way through, some bad person will be revealed and pull a gun or or leave somebody stranded somewhere and then they have to be rescued and they have to get a, a comeuppance. Um, I want to mention the second book in the series as well, which is Deep Six, which is fun only because of the, the complete... Uh, wackiness of its premise which is that a a planet is going to be hit by a rogue planet in a month or, or like in two weeks and there's a uh, an archaeology mission to it that is trying to get uncover those secret mysteries before it the planet is completely destroyed by being hit by this rogue planet and of course what they do is they send people there and then they get stuck and their ship doesn't work and they're going to get killed on the planet and they have to figure out a way off the planet but also there are enticing mysteries that make them want to stay on the planet and it's a lot of fun in one of those like completely constructed artificial countdown to to doom kind of scenarios and they're a lot of fun all the mcdevitt books are fun but if you're thinking of starting like a series if this sounds like a fun thing go to engines of god and start there because the priscilla Hutchins series is just it's huge fun 
I love it. It's bit, this is my beach read basically is these books. Oh, yeah. he's, he's someone I, I had never read, never really heard of. I mean, I guess I saw him on the shelves when I'd be browsing, but, but I was just sort of like, eh, whatever. And, and you introduced me to him. And I think I've gone through all of the Hutchins books, all of the Alex Benedict books and a bunch of the, the standalones like Thunderbird, Thunderbird. Um, and yeah, they're just cracking good fun. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly it. That's what it is. Come for the sandwiches, stay for the high space adventure. So check or, out Jeff Or vice together. versa, in my case, probably. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, the sandwiches, woo, they're good. You're going to munch on them. You're going to munch on them. I do love sandwiches. Space sandwiches, they're the best. All right, anyway, Jack McDevitt. I've mentioned them before, but it's fun. Scott? Everybody looks sandwiches. Uh, I, so I, I did... I didn't completely reject your premise, Jason. I did spend some time thinking about how I would introduce science fiction books to someone who perhaps is uh, science fiction curious. Uh, and I thought about the fact that uh, for a lot of mainstream readers, science fiction has this kind of, you know, uh, taint because it's a, a genre uh and they don't want to, you know, sully themselves with uh, subpar writing and uh, silly, you know, bug-eyed aliens eating spacemen. Um, and so they, they avoid science fiction altogether. So I thought to myself, Scott, how would you convince someone to, uh, you know, kind of have a gateway drug into science fiction? Uh, and so I thought about uh, the one thing that seems to be uh, okay with everybody, uh, and that is time travel. Everybody loves time mm. travel for some reason. <laughs> that is the one science fiction concept that, you know, uh, fancy literary writers can play with. Uh, and, and even, you know, the worst hack writer can play with. Science, uh, everybody loves themselves some time travel. Uh, so I picked a time travel book uh, by Lauren Bukes, uh, which is called The Shining Girls, which oh. features a serial killer in Chicago who <laughs> comes across a house that has a portal in time that lets him go through time so he can pick... Uh, the Shining Girls, which are these girls that he murders. Uh, and so it's a great, fun read. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a fun read, but it is a very good book. Uh, I am not a sociopath, is what sociopaths say. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what the story say. checks out. <laughs> now, if he, if he went back in time and gave them sandwiches, it would be different, Scott. <laughs> yes, that would that would be a fun romp uh, mm -hmm. with with sandwiches uh, and and one of so and the main character we follow the the serial killer but he is not a sympathetic character uh, but he attempts you don't to say. yeah I know it's crazy one of his victims uh, or his attempted victims the only person that escapes his clutches is the main character and she uh, we follow her through her journey as she figures out this seemingly unlikely thing of a time travel time traveling serial. killer killer who has tried to kill her which seems crazy but in fact in this book is exactly what's happening uh and so it, it's really great if it and it's kind of you know also urban fantasy a little bit i guess because it's set in chicago um and there's time travel uh and she's a really great writer she's written i liked uh zoo city which is is another one of her books and um uh, I forget the uh, Broken Monsters, which is also another uh, book that is more solidly, I think, urban fantasy. It also involves horrific murders. She seems to like writing about horrific murders. But I would start with The Shining Girls and then ease your way into Broken Monsters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, David, <laughs> what do you choose? 
this is a playwright friend of mine, uh, Mac Rogers, who has written several science fiction plays that are slowly getting produced around the country. He's written podcast series, uh, The Message and Life After, which are both found at Slate. And his current project, uh, you can actually check it out right now. It's in process. It's I think that's two thirds of the way through the whole serial. Uh, and it's called Steal the Stars. And a novelization of it is coming out either it should it should either just be out or is about to come out. And it sort of fleshes it out even more. This is a, a uh, caper novel, a caper story. Do you like people stealing things? This is the science fiction for you. It's about uh, two people who are uh, slowly falling in love, even though they shouldn't because they work together. Their job is to guard this mysterious object, which, uh, as it turns out, is an alien. And they decide to run away and steal the alien and sell it and make money. And, of course, things do not go smoothly. Um, so you can you can check out the podcast version of it. It's a full cast radio drama. It's delightful. It's very funny because he's a funny writer, too. Uh, but it's it's really nicely paced. And the, the novel version does a good job of balancing that and giving you a little more detail. All right. Erica? Wow, so we had a serial killer and a thief. I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, yes, I do. How about an assassin? Ah. Um, yep. So uh, I, I think if you are interested in just like throwing yourself headlong into sort of, you know, some of the kinds of things you, you might think of when you hear the word fantasy, uh, a book that's got kings and magic and political machinations and and even a, a poor lonely bastard who magically pair bonds with a wolf. Um, but you also want to read something that has characters that are very relatable and well drawn. But you also want something that's easy to read. Um, and you also want something that uh, that has more available once you are done. I highly recommend the Farseer trilogy by Robin Hobb. It's a it's a it's a trilogy about a a young boy named Fitz Chivalry, and uh, and he's he's a bastard, a royal bastard. So they he's he's inconvenient. They don't really know what to do with him. So they once they discover his existence, they take him to the castle and uh, and put him in in the charge of uh, of the head assassin of the uh, of the assassins guild, and he has to learn how to become. Come an assassin and and kill the people that the uh, that the king and queen want him to kill. Um, but as I said, it's also a book with magic in it. There are actually two different kinds of magic in this world, and the uh, the royalty has a, a kind of magic called far seeing, which is uh, according to the people in power the quote unquote good kind of magic. And there's also a, a different kind of magic that's that's more based on animal um, animal. Being able to sort of bond with animals, and that's that's considered very, very bad and very dirty and dangerous. And uh turns out Fitz has both kinds of magic, and they try to train him in one and beat the other one out of him, and uh, and and lots of very interesting political movements are going on between different uh, different kingdoms and that sort of thing. So it's really it, it really has a lot of the kind of the the general trappings that you think of as fantasy, but I think it's more accessible than than something that's it was written like a long long time ago. This is I'm not sure exactly when it came out. Let me look at Wikipedia here. Uh, 1995. So 
you know. Is this the one that starts with through. Fool's Assassin? Uh, it actually starts with Assassin's Apprentice. Oh, okay. Yep. That is the that is the first book, and then, like I said, there's a lot more. So if you like if you like Assassin's Apprentice and you read the the, the books in the first trilogy, then uh, then actually you can hear what I think about the second trilogy in the series in episode 171 of the Incomparable, <laughs> where I talked about the Live Ship Traders trilogy, uh, which is kind of all of the, a lot of the same things except instead of a king and a bastard, you have a female protagonist and pirates and sea serpents and sentient ships and ancient ruins and mysteries. Um, and then if you like that, there's even more because she has written, I think, three more trilogies all in the same world that uh, that that happen after that. And and one of the main threads that goes through these is a character that first appears in The Assassin's Apprentice as the king's fool. And this character is just just referred to as the fool uh, all the way through, although the fool goes by other names um, at times. But, you know, at at the fool's heart, the fool is just the fool. And the reason I, I keep not using any gender pronouns is because this character is very gender fluid. Uh, in, in the early books, the fool is sort of portrayed as as male, like kind of a teenage boy. In the second trilogy, uh, the fool goes by the name Amber and and is a woman. And it's just uh, the fool isn't entirely human. And it's one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. Uh, just a really well-developed, interesting character that, that's that's different from from everybody around them and has to sort of deal with 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 that and and it's just this one character that's just sort of like you know it isn't a giant part of the uh, the first couple trilogies but then sort of plays a bigger role later on all right uh dan i'm gonna go with something that we have talked about before but um it is a series that i really enjoy and it's one of the few series where when a new book comes out uh i will immediately sort of pause whatever i'm reading so i can read this book uh, and that is Ben Aronovich's <gasps> Rivers of London oh, series. it's not a draft, so you haven't sniped me. It's not a draft. Yeah. I just had that on <laughs> my list, but it's all fine. Hmm. Um, this is a series that is urban fantasy. It's set in London. It follows a police constable named Peter Grant, who also basically starts out by becoming an apprentice wizard. Uh, he's attached <laughs> to an arm of the Metropolitan Police called the Folly. Um, which is run by a man named Nightingale, who is somewhat mysterious, other than we know he was a wizard, and he's much older than he appears to be. Uh, it's on to, what, six or seven books now? Um, and each one is framed kind of as a mystery story. It, it sort of follows certain police procedural tropes, but there's always something weird and something magical going on here, and he uses this as an opportunity to sort of build out this magical world um, by, you know, new uh, creatures and beings who exist in it. And as Peter kind of learns his more and more magic, he becomes more adept at this and... Uh, it's really good. It's written very accessibly. It's a fun page turner. It's funny. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff with both these sort of magical and human worlds. Um, also some interesting stuff with the character of Peter, who is himself um, a he's mixed race. His father is uh, white, I believe, and his his mother is from Africa. And so you have this sort of interesting cultural um uh perspective on it um and i really enjoy it it's uh i think it is very easy to sort of pick up and if you're a person who does read like mysteries for example it's like a mystery but with a little magic in it um and there is some ongoing plot stuff which is sort of the the biggest reason 
that I have kept reading it, I think, is also that there's throughout them have been strung these various, uh, you know, encounters with evil wizards that have uh, some connection to uh, Nightingale and uh, basically the history of magic and, and that sort of being spooled out gradually. There's a couple twists uh, and interesting betrayals that happen in there that keep you on your toes. Um, and if you like stuff set in London, it's a, which I think is the podcast on which, or which we discussed this was an episode of things uh, set in London. Um, then, then there you go. It's a, it's all of those things. So many choices for me here. I think I'm going to go back to a book that, if I'm not mistaken, we may have mentioned in episode one of The Incomparable. Yes, we did. <laughs> Goodness. So, wow. Back in 1981. Yeah, right. that's right. Back, back when we were just kids. Um, and Dan was just a baby who cried on the podcast back then. <laughs> uh, nothing's changed. <laughs> so this is now, now, not everybody, and I'm putting myself in this category too. I don't like, I don't dislike uh, like Erica does, but I don't love steampunk as a genre in general. Um, but this is a book that is steampunky, but it's got lots of other genres mixed into it too. I've liked, it's the first book in a series. I've liked the entire series that I've read. I haven't read them all yet, but I have slowly gone through it. I plugged it on previous podcasts a little bit. I want to mention it again here that if you're interested in starting a series in in this world, uh, Bone Shaker by Sherry Priest is excellent oh, yeah. this is this book mm-hmm. is set in seattle the idea is that there has been a uh, an accident from a, a drilling machine that's supposed to be going to alaska for the silver rush and it it punctures a uh, cavern basically full of toxic gas that floods the streets of seattle in the late 19th or mid mid 19th century it's actually during an extended civil war um the civil war is still going on because it's kind of an alt past and uh the what does the gas do you ask uh turns people into zombies so there are zombies they built a city wall around the center of seattle to keep the gas because it's low-lying it stays to the ground and seeps out of the ground and the zombies inside and this is a story about the the people who are trying to make it make it inside the city walls of Seattle and they are and it gets to the roots of uh who who let the gas out of the uh of the awful thing and who 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 who, <laughs> who, caused, who caused the zombies to happen that joke was super topical the first time we discussed this yeah one. i know back in uh, 1990 in 1981 and um and uh there are zeppelins which is a key and they are they're in fact conf- stolen confederate army zeppelins in this um and there's like wacky science that's sort of your steampunky there's kind of wacky old style science happening gas masks zombies all sorts of weird stuff is going on and then the books expand from there clearly you you always remember what's going on in seattle but the other books tell other stories about like there's one that's like a race between a train and a and a zeppelin trying to get to the rocky mountains and there are confederate spies and there are double crosses and there's just a whole bunch of great stuff it is an incredibly fun series of books by sherry priest that mixes all these genres together for fun adventure stuff so i think if if the idea of you know having something that's like in the past with weird technology and zombies and zeppelins sounds fun uh i i, I really recommend bone shaker and in episode one i had only read bone shaker but having read like some of her novellas as well as several more novels in this series they're all really fun and really good so definitely check out bone shaker i say and there are zeppelins 
If there's a book that's That's entirely people sitting on a Zeppelin eating sandwiches, I might die. Is what I'm saying, Scott. <laughs> but what a way to go! In, what a way to go! What's in the sandwich? A serial killer put the sandwiches there. That's what makes it a novel. What? Scott, what's your choice? Uh, so once again, I think. Well, how how can I I lure this person into science fiction? This person who I have created in my head, who apparently hates science fiction. Scott is Scott is driving in a van, hawking science fiction. <laughs> Scott always been this creepy, or did I just miss? Yeah, that? you. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Erica, yeah. where you been? Uh, I've I known guess. this since episode one. <laughs> yeah, wasn't paying attention. But I'm, I'm like uh, the cuddly kind of creepy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Does that okay. make it better or worse? I don't know. Uh, so uh, David Mitchell, who is an author who uh, has written many books that have gotten much accolades, uh, is thought of as a literary writer uh, because he writes very complex stories and plots in his novels. And some people hate him because he does that, and other people like me love it. Uh, but really, most of his books are science fiction novels, but you will not find them in the science fiction section. You will find them in fiction because he's fancy pants and he's long listed for like the, the Man Booker Prize and all these things, right? Uh, and so one of his books is he's written uh, The Cloud Atlas, which I, I believe we, we had a whole episode. Did a whole episode, yep. So I'm not going to recommend The Cloud Atlas, no. although you should read The Cloud Atlas because it's fantastic. He wrote another book. Uh, he's written many books, but uh, one called The Bone Clocks, which features, much like The Cloud Atlas, it has six interlocking stories, uh, although unlike The Cloud Atlas, they are set, uh, they are told in uh, temporal order, so it goes in chronological order, as uh, normal people say. Uh, so it goes uh, from... Uh, beginning to end. Uh, it follows one particular character, uh, but then it interacts with a bunch of six other viewpoint characters. Uh, and it, it tells the story of uh, these two, basically, uh, secret societies uh, that are uh, made up of immortal people. Uh, one is the Anchorites, who uh, are immortal because they kill other people and take their life force. And the other are the Horologists, who are uh, immortal because they could reincarnate, uh, and they the bone clocks is the name that they give to normal humans uh, who die because they are you know clocks made of, of bone and they are just counting down until their deaths. Uh, this is also a kind of a creepy pick. I'm realizing as I'm describing it. Uh, <laughs> But the cuddly kind of creepy. But it's it's yeah. it's very good, and if you like, and I will put a little asterisk next to my "it is very good" because David Mitchell is kind of a writerly writer. So if you do not have patience for uh, perhaps slightly overwritten prose and uh, maybe uh, too clever for its own good storytelling, uh, you might not <laughs> like this book. But that appeals to me greatly. So uh, I was checked. He also wrote a much shorter book that's kind of related to it called Slade House, which I read, uh, which is good, but uh, it is more of a horror book and not in my normal genre. Uh, and I wouldn't really recommend it. But uh, The Bone Clocks is great. So check that out. Oh, Bone Clocks. All right. David? Well, this is uh, another book that I, I'm pretty sure is near and dear to Dan's heart, if I recall correctly. Say you have a friend who is really into, say, Dorothy Sayers or P.G. Wodehouse, not really into science fiction, might like time travel. Oh, uh, I know where you're going with this. It was on you have, I know you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, to Say Nothing of the Dog by Connie Willis, which is just a delightful romp. Oh, my gosh. It starts out in the, the what, the mid-21st century, 
and sends some time-traveling historians back into the Victorian era where they get trapped for a while. And uh, it's it's all kinds of time travel hijinks and mistaken identities and comic misunderstandings. And, of course, everything is in peril and everything has to be saved. And if they mess something up, of course, it's time travel. So, you know, whatever they do is going to have an effect in the future. And uh, it's just a joy. I'm going to I'm going to let you pick it, David, but I will just point out that it, somebody picked it in episode 99, the summer reading list episode. <laughs> oh, ah, for it was here. It, it might have been it might have been me. <laughs> it probably, probably was, yeah. <laughs> I had thought about uh picking Connie Willis's uh the Doomsday book, but also, I also just <laughs> I decided it was way way too dark and depressing and if somebody read it's that so as good, their though. first science fiction book, they yeah, they might just good. not ever read anything ever again. But it is really good. <laughs> right, Erica. Uh, I'm going to go with a series that I haven't actually read for a while, so my memory of of the details is a little bit fuzzy. But my my overall sort of feeling about reading the books, which I've done multiple times, I just have a terrible terrible memory. Uh, hi, Scott. Is uh, is very very <laughs> um, just like it's just like a warm a warm feeling about reading reading these books, and it's uh it's called the Finnevar Tapestry by Guy Gabriel K. The first book in the series is called The Summer Tree, and it's a it's a trilogy of, of fantasy novels uh, that that actually start in our own sort of contemporary world, uh, but mostly take place uh, in Finnevar, which is this fictional world. Um, it's, it's, it starts with five uh, students from the U- University of Toronto, and they are uh, they meet a mysterious fellow who draws them into the first world of the tapestry. Um, and th- this, this mysterious fellow turns out to be a mage named Lauren Silvercloak. Um, this, uh, the whole series has some, some sort of echoes of, of Tolkien. Uh, I think Guy Gabriel K actually worked on some of the uh tolkien's like unfinished tales or something the, with the tolkien's books of son, so. tales and yeah so he's you know he's he's steeped in that yeah. but this is this is a lot more since it starts in the contemporary world and the, the characters are actually from our world i would say it's a much better sort of entry point into that kind of high fantasy uh you know you still have dwarves and you've got you know mages and stuff but uh, but you also have point of view characters, five of them that are kind of like regular people. And uh, one of my favorite sorts of things in in anything, it doesn't it, movies, television, uh, books, what have you, is the sort of escapist fantasy where somebody from our world gets, you know, falls accidentally or on purpose into another sort of magical world where they can learn more about themselves and become part of something something greater. And this is sort of that times five because each of the characters kind of lands in a different spot in Finnevar. So they all kind of meet up with different different factions of this world so you know one of them meets a dwarf and some of them are with the, this you know these people that live on the plains like nomads and and some of them end up you know in the, your stereotypical castle with with kings and stuff and uh it draws on a lot of different types of uh, mythology that you you might recognize just from sort of knowing pop culture and stuff you have the arthurian legend plays kind of a really big part uh, especially towards towards the end there's a lot of norse mythology uh, stonehenge appears in one of the books there's some some blood magic stuff it's uh it's it's a lot of elements of of fantasy that you can kind of get without having to 
dig back into something that that feels a little bit more removed from the real world so i highly recommend it all right sounds good i like i like that you're getting some uh, fantasy onto our list here because my, yeah, my fantasy I... <laughs> background is kind of non-existent so i have not even heard of some mm-hmm. of these which is that's cool that's great mm-hmm. yeah that's that's sort of like my my happy place is is fantasy even though i love science fiction um but i just i tend to reread fantasy more which means there's more of a chance that i'll actually remember a that i read it and b something about it (laughs) makes sense story checks out Mm -hmm. dan yep you know it's interesting i was also largely picking fantasy but i found uh there is a sci-fi book i quite like that i could not believe but i just searched the archives twice and i don't find any reference to it which i find unbelievable um and that is richard k morgan's altered carbon um, oh, which I swore yeah. to God we had discussed you at some point. definitely have mentioned it. It's not in the topic index, so it may be somewhere in the, the like midst of time there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Altered Carbon, um, which is from the early 2000s, is a hard-boiled uh, cyberpunk uh, novel. Um, and it really, it's basically a hard-boiled mystery dropped into a cyberpunk setting. Uh, in the future, where people can be digitally downloaded into different bodies called sleeves, um, and so you have these people who, of course, are you know really rich and manage to keep themselves alive for a really really long time. And one of them basically uh, supposedly commits suicide, and when he's restored from his backup, which is you know a couple days old, he thinks that basically he was murdered, and so he hires this main our main character, whose name is Takeshi Kofax, um, who is a former envoy, which is like a you know special ops kind of guy in this this futuristic world to investigate his murder and it unfolds a lot like a you know like a classic raymond chandler novel or something there's a lot of intrigue and um you know various uh, interesting characters encountered along the way my personal favorite being uh kofax finds himself in a uh, a hotel which he is i believe the only person in and but the hotel is like essentially an ai uh and so he you know ends up like the, the hotel is a character in this book hmm. uh, which is kind of delightful uh it's a little bit on the grimmer darker side uh for sure but it is a really interesting world uh that's unfolded here i don't love there are two follow-up books set in this series which i am not as big a fan of because they eschew the sort of hard-boiled crime novel for more of like a war novel um so it goes a little bit of a different direction but this book i think is really just an incredibly solid uh science fiction novel it's been turned into a tv series for netflix Next that has not yet year, come out 2018 it's they've been saying it for a while yeah i wasn't sure when it actually came out but they because they announced it last year and i think it's all been filmed but it, yeah i guess so yeah, i guess next it's got year. a page on netflix um, it's definitely coming out yeah yeah i'm i'm excited to check it out i feel like it's a it's a really interesting story and just kind of a fun uh adaptation of the uh, the classic noir crime novels into uh cyberpunk sci-fi universe so uh yeah well recommended so this is how long um we've been doing this podcast now this is a a recurring theme is that i was introduced to a book series by dan mentioning it on the incomparable and then i read all of them (laughs) and now i am going to recommend that you dear listener if you have not already start reading this series too but i have to say it's secondhand from dan because it all comes from dan so tip my cap to dan good job dan um you're welcome it's we're doing a lot we're stealing a lot of things from dan tonight um (laughs) so a lot of times when i talk about 
what uh, great uh, science fiction series people, because again, series is sort of my theme here, just kind of accidentally, because so many books are in series and people like series because you read a book and you like it and you're like, oh, there's like eight more of these. This is awesome, right? Um, where do you start? What's a great science fiction sort of space opera series? And the answer is, we did a whole episode about it. It's Lois McMaster Bujols of Orkosigan novels. They are amazing. Where do you start? She wrote them over a bunch of years, out of time sequence. It's a mess. And the answer is my book recommendation, which is going to be find, if you can, the compendium book called Cordelia's Honor, which is chronologically the first book in the series. It is two paperbacks stuck together, Shards of Honor which she wrote very early on, and then Barayar, which she wrote later, or part of it early on, and then she shelved it, and then she finished it later. And it won, a, I think, won the Hugo Award. Um, but they are two parts of the same story, which is about this woman named Cordelia, who um, crash lands on a planet and needs to be, uh, you know, she and her, one of her enemies survives, and they need to kind of make their way to safety. And he's a uh, he's a dashing soldier, and there's some romance. And uh, it, long, long story short, the second book is about the cult, the culture clash when she has to go back to his home planet um, because they are the planet of Barriar. They are very strange people who live there. They are very kind of grumpy and martial, feudalistic. And they have super feudalistic, and she's from like a free love futuristic society, and they've been cut off from the galaxy for a hundred years and are totally backward and grumpy about it. And um, and that's great too. So the romance, the adventure, the palace intrigue, the world building, and if you like this, guess what? Um, there's a whole. There's like. 10 other books, 12 other books in this series that are about this family and these people. And uh, they're all pretty good, but um, I really believe that Cordelia's Honor is 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 great. It's like Shards of Honor is a really good story, and then ba- Barayar is, uh, is spectacularly good. So you put them together in a little omnibus, and you've got the whole beginning of the Vorkosigan saga. You know, if you want your spaceships and your, and, and your galactic intrigue and your palace intrigue, plus, I mean, it's got all of that stuff. It's got all of it rolled into one sort of science fiction bundle. It's, uh, it's great. So thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. what i'm saying you're welcome i will i will put in a plug for my favorite book from the series which is memory um that is, which is just that is the best book, book in the series but it's like book seven but you something. gotta get there that's the yeah. problem is it's really it's a long way to earn the yeah. payoff from it but it's even good though all the, the books, journey is very enjoyable all the books are good like it's not like you have to slog yes. through the first five books are bad but then book six is good it's not like that memory no, is they're all they're all good the best one yeah. and she plays with genre so well like she goes from books that seem like you know shards of honor feels kind of star trek Barayar is just really this like crazy intrigue and culture shock thing. You've got, you know, Civil Campaign, which is a a farce. Yep. You've got uh, Komar, which is a murder mystery. Um, you know, she just goes, she runs the gamut in terms of the genre. Um, so Civil Campaign and Captain Vore Patrol's Alliance are two of my other favorites in there that are just laugh out loud funny mm-hmm. at a couple points so yeah i love this is my favorite series of all time if you read my book you would like these books yeah That's for sure i can say <laughs> for sure well when i read your book i was like oh dan really does love the Vorkosigan books I, just <laughs> to. I had to get that out of my system because yeah. i love those books so much <laughs> uh, we're gonna do one more round scott what do you have hey you know you know what the kids today love <laughs> 
World War One, and uh, this one. <laughs> they do. Wonder so Woman was the, a hit with your Wonder, Wonder Woman yeah. and so forth. Uh, everybody's talking about the Kaiser, uh, and uh, a book set in World War One is called Ghost Talkers, uh, which is by uh, Mary Robinette Coyle, who I know, uh, Erica, you have met and... Ex- yeah, do, do, I have to, do I have to disclose that I'm friends with the author of the book that you're picking? Yes. Okay, so disclosed. That this is uh, set in World War I, uh, where there is a, a band, uh, the, Ger- the, the British Army has a special uh, auxiliary corps of spiritualists who uh, talk to uh, the spirits of dead British soldiers from the front who uh, relay information about enemy movements and things moments before they die. Uh, they note, you know, where the Germans are, and then they come back and they tell uh, people this. Uh, and so the story it fo- follows this woman who is part of this corps, uh, and th- it becomes clear that the Germans have figured out this is happening, and they are doing things to stop the spirits from returning, um, and that they have, you know, they're they're targeting people, and there's an assassination attempt, and her fiance is at the front, and you know, you get a, uh, you you worry if his spirit is going to come, and all kinds of things like that. So uh, it's very good. It's a quick read. Uh, it is uh, the only book of the series. I don't know if it is going to be a series, in fact, because one book a series does not make, um, but. Uh, if you're looking for kind of a period piece with some ghosts, uh, why not Ghost Talkers? Why not, indeed? Period piece with ghosts. Sold! That's right. <laughs> to the Kaiser. D- <laughs> David, what's your choice? Well, this one is not a book by Dan. It's a short story, actually, by, by Marianne as well. Um, the Lady Astronaut of Mars. Oh, that's so good. Which... It's ninety nine cents on Amazon as a as an ebook. It's really beautiful, and there are going to be two Lady Astronaut of Mar- Mars novels coming out next summer, which look really really good. And knowing how much I enjoy her writing in general, and how much I enjoyed this story, I cannot wait to read the novels. All right, that's a double, that's a twofer. David just like riding there on top of Scott. You ran out of books, didn't you, David? No, no, I, I, he sniped me with the author. All right. Well, you got him back or something. That's right. Yeah, just like Take, World War One. That's right. <laughs> Take that, Kaiser. Erica, what is your choice? Uh, I, I have many other things on my list. I sort of had it narrowed down to two, which I then researched and realized I had mentioned both of them. The yeah, I know. Before. Seriously. We, we, are, are the, we, are we are the worst, worst people. Uh-huh. Yeah. We are terrible. Uh, also, both of them by friends of mine. Don't care. <laughs> so I decided to go with the the one that uh, that is a, a series that actually has a new uh, installment out, and uh, it is uh, the first. The first is a novella. We've actually talked about tour novellas before. This is another one of them, uh, Witches of Litchford by Paul Cornell, who's actually appeared on the Incomparable Network uh, a couple times before. So he um, he he wrote the first. First one, um, I can't remember exactly when it came out, but there there were two when I mentioned it briefly last uh, uh, the last time I talked about it. But it, a new one just came out uh, called A Long Day in Litchford, and it is waiting for me on my Kindle. I'm very excited to read it. But uh, the 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 original novella, um, it, 
I recommend it to people who are new to to fantasy um, because it sort of feels contemporary and and relevant. Uh, it's not it's not the high fantasy like I was talking about in in the previous one. Um, it takes place in a small rural village in England called Lichford, which happens to be on the border between our world and another world, sort of a, a fairy realm, a magical realm of, of some type. Uh, the protagonists are three women who are very, very different from each other. One is the vicar of the town who was recently widowed um, and who has actually just recently come back to town. Uh, there's another woman who is an, the, uh, an atheist who owns this new age shop in town. And then there's uh, there's sort of the elderly town crank uh, who, of course, she knows her way around real magic. Uh, but despite their differences, uh, these, these three women form a really, really cool bond as they work together to sort of defeat the forces of darkness. And they're, they're very well realized characters. I just I just love them. I feel like I could I could show up in Litchford and hang out with them like they're that kind of characters. And oh, and the plot of the of the first one centers around a small town debate about whether or not to allow a great big supermarket chain to build a store in town, which sounds really like, you know, it's kind of like a relaxed thing. But trust me, the forces of darkness uh, are behind the commercialism in this in this story, which actually makes it feel extra relevant. Uh, apparently, apparently the new one, um, the newest one that, that uh, just came out may have some echoes of uh, of Brexit <laughs> and how that could be evil. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited to read that one. And uh, and yeah, so Witches of Lichford, Child of Lichford, and or Lost Child of Lichford, and A Long Day in Lichford by Paul Cornell. All right, Dan, uh, I am going to delve into my childhood for my final pick uh, and bring up one of my favorite series of all time, which uh, I guess is technically sort of a young adult series, but I I've, and I certainly that's the age at which I read it. Um, but I still think it's a fantastic series. It's among my very favorites, and that is The Dark is Rising by Susan Cooper. I love you, Dan. The <laughs> uh, Dark is Rising is fan. It's just it's fantastic. I remember uh, as a kid reading these, and my aunt had given them to me, uh, and I read them out of order because I had the uh, the first book, uh, Oversee Understone, as like a separate thing, and then I had the other four as a box set. For some reason, I have yeah. no idea why. Me too. Um, yeah, so, and I started by reading The Dark is Rising, which is fine. You can do mm-hmm. that. Oversee Understone has a different set of characters, and they meet up eventually, but you don't, that's not as important. Um, yeah, I actually so, recommend starting with The Dark is Rising. I like The Dark is Rising better. Oversee Understone is, is a different sort of story, but it's also very good, but you can read it after The Dark is Rising with little trouble. Um this is a fantastic sort of, you know, the light and the dark, the um, magic and the good versus evil story about a young boy named Will Stanton, who on his 11th birthday uh, realizes that he is one of the old ones. He is these like these sort of ancient magical figures. And he is he is having an awakening sort of as he comes into his power um, and he uh, basically sets out on a quest to collect these six signs um, and to try and start this whole sort of battle against the dark. It's steeped, uh, especially in the later books, in wealth, Welsh mythology. Um, so if you've uh, ever read any of the... Uh, I, I read this around the same time I read some of the Prydain books, uh, Book of Three and, and Black Cauldron and so on, and there are some... Uh, 
commonalities between them in terms of their uh, their use of Welsh mythological figures. Um, but it was sort of my first introduction to a idea of a, a story which takes place in, I'm going to say our modern day, but it's set in um, probably the 70s because I think yeah. that's when it came out. But, you know, it feels very, very modern, right? And, and yet there is this sort of magical overtone. It is a book that will forever make me think of Christmas um, because uh, key scenes are set at Christmas. Um, and it's just this wonderful, atmospheric, beautiful story. And I can still, you know, 20 odd years after I read these, I can still easily pick scenes right out of my memory. Um, so my girlfriend and I have been trying to read this aloud, but it's taken us like three years because we keep forgetting and putting it down and then coming back to it and be like, where are we? <laughs> Steven and I are actually also in the midst of, uh, of doing that same thing. Mm, weird. <laughs> this year we're going to finish it for sure. This time. This, this is a series that, uh, I, I hadn't heard of. I didn't know about, which is odd because I do love with Welsh mythology and history and everything. And But a bunch of uh, students at the college here, when I was doing stuff at the theater department, they're the ones who turned me on to it. And uh, I'm glad they did. Yeah, uh, people our age just missed this, I think, for some reason, yeah. David, because I'd never heard of it yeah. until... Uh until Dan just because we're old I think it must have I think it must have not really become big in the US until the late 80s it did come out in the 70s mm. um, actually even earlier it looks like the 665 to 77 so yeah I think it probably just didn't make its way to the US for a while so uh, I'm gonna wrap out wrap up our list although we'll go around and do the thing where everybody just kind of like throws the extra books on the pile um, the uh, with a book that again we've talked about um, it was mentioned briefly in episode one, but then we did an, an episode about it and its sequel. There are now three books in the series. The third book just came out a couple of weeks ago. So super timely. Mm-hmm. And it's an author who I was discovering just as we recorded our first episode, which is Paolo Bacigalupi. And the book I'm going to recommend is uh, a young adult book. In a, and so it's a young adult series. So it's appropriate if you've got a, uh, if you've got a teenager or a, a preteen, uh, it's probably appropriate for them too, but it's great for adults. Um, it is Shipbreaker set in the Gulf Coast in a kind of eco-apocalypse. There are kids who are tearing the, you know, all the pieces out of wrecked ships, like happens today for real in Bangladesh. Um, and it is, so it is, a, it is an adventure story. It is a young, you know, young kid discovering the world story. It is a, about a, a dark uh, projected future where climate change has wreaked havoc on the United States, and it's basically an apocalypse, an eco-apocalypse, like I said. And, uh, it is uh it's gritty without getting too dark it's dark it's like it's a ya book so it gets as dark as a ya book can get but not darker than that and uh there are a bunch of fun characters including of course tool who is the star of the third book he's a genetically engineered kind of intelligent animal creature like a jackal creature but he's super intelligent and strong and he's a monster who's your mentor which makes him a monster which we established. Scott and I mm-hmm. established that mm-hmm. in that other. Yeah, it's thing. And now he's got his own book, Tool of War, which just came out, which Look is the that. third book in the series. So people could check that it's out. Still too. grown up. But start with Shipbreaker, which is really good. And uh, I like, I think I've liked everything I've read by Paolo Bacigalupi and his, he has his adult books, like The Wind-Up Girl and The Water Knife. But this is a, a really great uh, YA series and, uh, and uh, super smart about how uh, ecological disaster can create uh, social disaster. So good stuff. 
All right, we'll go around quickly with any bonuses that people might have had left on their list that they didn't get to talk about. You can list them now. Scott? Uh, I'm going to list, uh, because I've been reading lots of mysteries, so I'm going to list two mystery series, which are completely out of bounds, but I, I live by no man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, one uh, series is, is by Ellie Griffiths, who's best known for a different series of hers, but uh, this is uh, the Magic Men series. It yeah! uh, starts off with the zigzag girl. It's about this uh, set in England about magicians who solve mysteries. Uh, so it's great. Uh, which is a poor synopsis of the series, but uh, read it anyway. Uh, and there's another uh, series. Uh, the new book just came out. Uh, it is called, uh, well, the old, the first book was called IQ by Joe ID. Uh, the second book is called Righteous. Uh, it is uh, th- about this uh guy in East L.A. who uh, they call IQ. He solves mysteries. He gets paid with chickens and things like that. Um, it's really good. So, And I'm reading a Righteous right now. So there you go. Check those out. I'm I'm reading IQ right now. Oh, well, you can buy your room for a treat. I just picked it up the other day. David? Um, well, uh, you, you mentioned Jack McDevitt. I will go with John Scalzi and specifically Old Man's War. Yeah, but if you that's like the one. Breezy space adventure he's right there um i guess this would count as fantasy it's also very literary uh and it's by a a fellow occasional panelist the golem and the Ginny, which i know we have talked mm-hmm. about um the name of the wind by patrick rothfuss which is the first straight up fantasy book i've read in years and i blame lin-manuel miranda because he optioned it to turn it into a series you could have blamed us because um, we did epi- an episode about it but yeah you know years yeah but jerk. you didn't get me to read it did you that's okay. I, I wasn't on that episode. Burn. <laughs> there's, a, there's a super fancy uh, hardcover version out now, if you like. Yes, that, that kind of that's, thing. it is gorgeous, I have to say. Um, the Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, uh, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Welcome to Night Vale and the new Night Vale novel, It Devours, which just came out. If you like weird, if you're kind of into that zone there. Uh, Aleph the Unseen by G. Willow Wilson, which is a sort of cyberpunk fantasy in the Middle East, and uh, one of the most enjoyable novels I read all last year, The Caledonian Gambit by Mr. Dan Morin. <laughs> oh, I, never I heard, heard of it. it. Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a Lois McMaster right. ripoff, but... Oh, <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. You know, still yeah, from the best, I say. Still from the but best. But well done, <laughs> Erica. Um, I, I also had a John Scalzi book on my list, but it was a different one. Uh, I remember I was trying to think of different types of readers to lure in, and I was thinking mysteries. If you're a mystery reader, uh, Lock In by John Scalzi, which I think has probably been mentioned on the show before. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a procedural, um, but it has people who uh, can't move and are, are sort of downloaded into robot bodies. It's very interesting. It is. Uh, if you're a mystery reader, uh, I think I may have also mentioned Delia's Shadow before, which is by Jamie Lee Moyer, and uh, it's a it's the first book in a series, but you can just read the, the one book, it stands alone, uh, that takes place around the turn of the century, uh, 1900, in San Francisco, uh, where there's a woman who sees ghosts. And there's uh, the ghost that she is currently seeing has uh, has been killed she, by a serial killer. That's killing ghosts or like like romantic. No, no, she's like, <laughs> okay. she's not the ghost dating. she's currently seeing. So I was just sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Yeah. That's a different uh, book. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally different. Um, if you are a romance reader, I recommend. Uh, 
pretty much any book by Sarah Addison Allen. Um, specifically, I would say either The Sugar Queen or Garden Spells are good places to start uh, because they are they are romances with uh, with just really really good writing and uh, and just a little bit of supernatural stuff, kind of kind of around the edges. Um, so it's a good way to just sort of dip your toe in. Um, I also had a a couple of young adult books uh, or more kids types books. Uh, a Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, oh, yeah. She has just. <gasps> Yeah, she's just wonderful. I, I forgot Always Coming Home by Ursula. Damn it. Um, and yeah, it's about a uh, a young boy who is going to be trained as a wizard and gets too big for his britches, lets something, lets something out into the world that shouldn't be there and has to spend uh, years tracking it down. There are other books that follow that are, that are also very good, but are not super, super tied in to the first one. Certainly the second one isn't. Uh, a Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle. Which is, uh, I guess they're making a series of that, so, or did I don't know. Anyway, a movie you mean? Movie, yes. Yeah, yes, Ava DuVernay has done it for Disney, and it looks that's really right. Good. That's right. I knew there was news about that. So, um, but the the source material is really good. My dad read it to me when I was a little kid, so it, it works for it, <laughs> it works for reading it out loud. <laughs> I can I can speak for that. Uh, Julian May's Saga of Pleiocene Exile. Is uh, it's oh, got yeah. time travel. It's got aliens. It's got telepathy. Um, it's it, it's just dinosaurs. A lot, of, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and dinosaurs and like prehistoric um, hominid creatures and and Frenchmen. Lots of Frenchmen. <laughs> yeah. There's well, you know, nothing's perfect. Can't win them all. <laughs> um, also, the Fallen Blade series, which is more more fantasy by Kelly McCullough, um, in in part because it has a great magic. Um, uh, a great way of using magic. I'm always interested in fantasy books and how they have how they have magic work, and it's a it's an interesting familiar uh, familiar sort of uh, relationship. And the main character's familiar is an actual shadow, and he was also an assassin devoted to the goddess of assassins, uh, who was actually assassinated. So after the goddess was assassinated by the <laughs> by other by gods, the assassins. Wow. Yeah. Well, yep. You reap um, what you sow. So he he, <laughs> he managed to escape. Um, and is just took to drinking and taking you know small jobs for for booze money until a mysterious lady walks into the bar that he lives above and you know chaos ensues. It's pretty good. Um, I also had the Dark is Rising, uh, the Infinity Concerto by Greg Bear, which has lots of elements of mythology and music and history all woven together really well. Um, and I would also lastly direct you to the incomparable episode 359, where we were talking about ne- Nebula and Hugo's books. I feel like Borderline by Michelle Baker and A Closed in Common Orbit mm. by Becky Chambers are both really good entry points into uh, fantasy and science fiction, respectively. All right, Dan. Uh, all right, so I divide mine up to a couple smaller categories. We got big honkin' series, which include both uh, Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, which we discussed at length in the episode where we eulogize him, but um, lots of great books there. Many of them are things that you can just pick up and put down. I particularly love the Guards series, starting with Guards Guards, which contains my favorite book, which is Night Watch. Um, but everything in there, if you like your fantasy with a heavy helping of humor, uh, Terry Pratchett is undoubtedly the master. Also, special mention to his YA series, the Tiffany Aching series, which starts with We Free Men, which is delightful. Um, also, a honking big series and still going on, The Expanse by James S.A. Corey, which we've talked about a bunch. Fantastic science fiction, probably the best space opera going out there these days. And I write space opera, so I feel like I can I can say that. Um, 
modern fantasy series. Uh, the last book just came out. Haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I enjoyed the first four, uh, starting uh, with The Warded Man by Peter, B- Peter V. Ooh. Brett. Uh, moving on to, uh, I think the last one was called The Core, and it just came out. And it's sort of, um, it's not quite post-apocalyptic, but it is a fantasy series with demons that appear at night and people who ward themselves with magical sigils to fight them off. Uh, and there's an oncoming war of these demons that rise at night. It's pretty good. Each successive book, again, I think uh, does a nice job of getting better and fleshing out the world even more. So I like that quite a bit. Disclosure, Pete's kind of a friend. So, yeah, but it's a good book. Um, the We mentioned V.E. Schwab, Darker Shade of Magic. The Shades of Magic trilogy um, is really good. Uh, it is basically follows a... A, a young man who can walk between worlds and he goes between the gray London, red London and white London. Um, and they're all slightly different. Uh, gray London is our London in the sort of 19th century or so, maybe a little earlier. Um, and there's some intrigue. There's some romance. Uh, there are pirates. Um, there are magical tournaments and there are big scary things that are basically trying to eat all these different worlds. So, that's a fun series. Uh, Lies of Locke Lamora, uh, one of my favorite oh, fantasy yeah. books of recent years, which we have also discussed at length, um, which involves a, a thief uh, basically in a fantasy setting uh, in a very Renaissance-style uh, fantasy world. A um, couple good books after that. Uh, Red Sea Under Red Skies, not quite as good, but still interesting, and Republic of Thieves, and in theory that series is still being developed, um, but it's uh, it's been a long time between books. Um, let's see. Modern classics. Uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury, uh, which is just a fantastic atmospheric lyrical um, exploration of family and childhood and growing up and all that stuff. It's one of the few books I've ever read. I'm not a horror reader, but and this isn't quite horror, but it's spooky and eerie enough that it definitely made me creep the heck out of me when I moved into my first apartment uh, and was reading it by myself while sleeping on the floor. Um, yeah, don't do that. Uh, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, obviously one of the sci- uh, cyberpunk classics. Um, the Gone Away World by Nick Harkaway, which we also have talked about in the past, but it's just a phenomenal book. Uh, and I think that is it for me. Oh, is that all? That was a lot of books, Dan. <laughs> it's like you read books. I, try, I I've, I've read books. Yeah, <laughs> you may have. <laughs> All right, I've read a few. There, I got gotcha. you. Story checks out. Yeah, story checks out. Uh, I I have a few that have not been already named that I'll throw in there. That uh, many of which we have covered in episodes, but I'm going to mention them anyway. Um, Eleven twenty two sixty three by Stephen King. Oh, I think yeah. is a very good book. It is not like a lot of his other books. It is a time travel story. It is also very nostalgic and wistful and sad. Um, it is if if you are interested in time travel and history, traveling back in time to history. This is obviously about tr- somebody trying to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy from our present day. Um, and it's it's just it's very sweet and sad and um, and and. and it's good it's really good so leave your preconceptions of stephen king at the door and if you like time travel like i think we it, that came up earlier the kids they love the time travel um and the world war one those two things uh <laughs> maybe they uh will enjoy eleven twenty two sixty three. um i've recommended many times before but i'll do it again the goblin emperor uh really hit the spot for me that is mm. a, a really enjoyable fantasy book with a lot of uh, uh unusual I, i'd say characteristics among fantasy books that i've read it really is more of a coming-of-age 
story about somebody who is trying to figure out how to uh, find their place in the world at a time when they uh, they did not ever expect to have power and suddenly they have it and have to figure out how to do. So it's kind of like The Crown, um, hmm. but with goblins. And <laughs> so, you know. With more goblins. More, it's all right. Ouch, you take that back about Prince Philip. Anyway, um, Inherit the Stars, uh, what made my short list, or, or, you know, my Bring Out Your Dead list last time, and it did it again. I still didn't pick it, but it's still a great, fun science fiction novel, more in the style of uh, science fiction novels from the sort of 50s and 60s, even though it was written in the 70s. And the premise can't be beat, which is they find a dead body in a spacesuit on the moon and nobody knows why it's there and then when they test it they find out that it's like 50,000 years old and it's a human body how did that happen and that's what the book is about it's uh it's a lot of fun and there are many sequels that involve aliens that might explain something about it but you'll have to read it to find out um and that's available in a two book omnibus with the second book in the series which is kind of fun um Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson is the one I'm going to mention. Um, I think it's a more accessible book than most of his other books. It's long, but it's kind of a historical thriller meshed with a techno thriller in two time frames. And it's got a lot of Stevenson stuff in it, but it's also got kind of action and thoughts about like currency, which he's fascinated by, like gold versus paper currency. And uh, there's some interesting meshing across the two timelines. And there's a few things that are sort of science fictional about it on top of that but it's a it's a really fun read it's uh 1999 i think it came out and i I think maybe if i was going to recommend a neil stevenson book to somebody who hadn't read any of them before i might suggest cryptonomicon if they can stand the idea of reading a thousand page book because it's very long ream d is pretty good too in that similar yeah i I was going to make the argument that i think ream d which we did an episode about we didn't do one about cryptonomicon um ream i'd say cryptonomicon is a lot like ream d but i think it's a better book Um, Because Reem D, as we detailed in that episode, kind of descends into just a like gunfire in the last yeah. t- 120 <laughs> Cryptonomicon doesn't really have an ending though that's true that is true yeah. Um, yeah. so you know great story but, great but story. I really enjoyed it falls apart a little bit in the last Neil Stevenson pages, has but... problem with endings and if you and if you're somebody who likes books that are incredibly hard to read but are um, are are are, uh, <laughs> are really you can you earn it and then you feel really good when you figure out what the heck's going on that's Anathem which you could also read which I think I is actually a very saying, good yeah. book but it is yep. hard Agreed. rowing. Yep. And uh, last one, another one that we mentioned before that I'm going to mention again, which is Uprooted by Naomi Novik, another fantasy book. I don't mm. read a lot of fantasy. I really liked it. There's one chapter in it that's kind of not great, but the rest of it is uh, very, very, very good. Um, takes the fantasy tropes, uses them subverts them sometimes doesn't other times lots of good stuff in there and it is a single book so you can read it and then um move on and you don't have to go to a uh you know read read book two and book three and book four which is nice so those are mine boy that's a lot of books we got here everybody i hope people can find something in there that struck their fancy so that they can compile a list maybe make a holiday list of like books you could buy them or maybe it's a book that you give to somebody who uh you think might like trying out some science fiction or fantasy maybe that's it i don't know there's lots lots of books out there in the world and there and, and many of them are about world war one apparently because the kids 
They love it. They, they love it. They love the Kaiser. Always talking about the Kaiser. I know. It's, that and sandwiches. And sandwiches. A Kaiser roll. Mm, it ties it all together. Roll. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Mere coincidence or psychic phenomena? Mm, one of those. Who so uh, I would like to thank my well-read panel for suggesting some of their favorites in this episode. Scott McNulty, thank you. Always a pleasure, Jason. Indeed. I'm glad that I, uh, I changed my premise so that you could come and be on the podcast this time. <laughs> David Lohr, thank you. Thank you for having me. These these are all classics. Yes. No, they're no. not. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Erica Ensign, thank you. I just wish it wasn't my bedtime because I want to go read right now. Mm, that's true. That's true. I hope it's not bedtime for the people listening. Just pause it and come back when it's light time. Mm-hmm. And you have time to read. Ooh, Dan Morin, thank you. Uh, pleasure being here. And the Caledonian Gambit, available at fine booksellers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and some not-so-fine booksellers. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to cast any aspersions It's also here. available at shady bookstores, but that's okay. I will sell it out of the back of my car if you the want. <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there for listening. We hope you have found some new books to read uh, or give to friends, because you can do that, too. Books are good. Yay. Uh, I'm Jason Snell. This has been The Incomparable. We will see you next week. 